so interested about her mom and so great about her mom. She was like, hey, send me 10 bullets of what more than student is via email. So I sent it over and God was my witness. Not even five minutes later, she calls me and is like, hey, this is a book. So I'm laughing. <laughs> right, exactly. That's just how narrow minded I thought. I was like, this ain't no book. But since I got you on the phone, you have to get a job. I'm about to graduate. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I am your host, Rashad Mays, and I'm here to bring you Love Yours, the podcast, the show that loves the hustle and embraces the struggle. On this show, we interview entrepreneurs and brand makers who have achieved levels of success within their fields and bring to light some of the struggles and pitfalls it took for them to get there. After this episode, be sure to leave comments on your thoughts, opinions, or whatever you think of the show. Don't forget to show love and check out our website at www.loveyourspod.com where you can find all of our podcast interviews and Love Yours Apparel. While you're there, make sure to subscribe to the show and get a chance to cop some of our gear discounted rates. With that being said, stay tuned. We have an exciting show ahead right here on Love Yours, the podcast. podcast i got ishmael brown on the phone right now how you doing brother i'm doing pretty well how you doing my man doing good man doing good it's been a long time coming we had some scheduling issues we wanted to work out but we finally got you here on the show like i said bro we uh glad to have you man hey i'm happy to be here i'm just so excited to see what love yours grows into and just to be a participant participant of what's to happen you know it's just a great opportunity for me yeah man definitely like i said if you guys didn't know I've known Ish for a long time, dating all the way back to our college days back in school. We both came from the same fraternity, and we knew each other in passing, but we didn't really know each other like face to face. And it kind of met the relationship, kind of manifested itself once we got up here to DC. And me knowing Ish and everything he's about, I kind of caught a glimpse of his story and was very much inspired by it. He is a published author with a book out now that's making its way around the. Uh, making his way around the country and getting in the hands of political figures and community activists and big-time radio show hosts, but I'll let him explain that later. But the point of the story is I wanted to bring Ishan to share his story and let you guys get a glimpse of who he is, what he's about, and what he's been doing since he's pretty much started on his journey of success. So I know Ish from Jacksonville, Florida. 26 years old. Fill us in on, you know, when you had this vision of trying to become a published author. So for me, I actually had no idea I was going to become an author. I started back in 2011. At the particular time, I was going through a rough patch in life, and I didn't really know how to deal with my emotions, let alone find anyone who would understand them. And I just really couldn't articulate what I was going through. And I never forget, I just finished the test. I'm not sure which class it was, but I'm walking through the student union and my emotions just came out of me. I'm crying, visibly distraught. And that was just unlike myself because I, you know, I'm a very private person, someone who doesn't really discuss emotions, let alone deal with them for others to witness. So as I'm walking and just crying my heart out, I knew I needed help at that very moment. And Again, I didn't really know who to go to or what to do, so I began writing out what I felt. And looking at 
when I had produced, I'm like, man, this is actually pretty good. So I had the opportunity to send it out to a few people that were close to me just to get their thoughts on it. Like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Is this something that you would, you know, want to hear more about or whatnot? I never told them it was about myself. I was like, hey, I came across this, and everyone gave me great feedback on it. And I was like, hey, this might be something. So with the emotions that you were going through, because clearly things got real real quick, what type of emotions were you dealing with with this college struggles, you know, you know how it is like when you're a student, you ain't got no money and stuff like that but, you know, like what what were the emotions that, you know, where did they stem from? For me, it was a bit deeper. It was going back to my childhood and issues that I had never resolved. Being, uh, not coming from home with my father in or dealing with growing up much faster than I needed to. So just trying to process all of that at the same time, in addition to trying to find myself and who I was, being only 21 years old, thinking that, you know, the world is going to come to you, and that just wasn't the case. Was there, like, a specific trigger at that moment, or is this something that just lingered over time, and then it, the weight of it just kind of took over? See, yeah, that, that's what was so crazy, because it was just more so of the weight. There was no trigger, and that's what concerned me more than anything. Like, hey, you know, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And I was just overwhelmed completely. So at this point... You had your breakdown in a sense, and you said, "Well, let me let me revert to writing, writing this out." And you pretty much put it put it in the hands of family members without telling anybody who it was. Did they ask any questions? Like, you know, who is this? Who, who, like, where where did this all come from? Well, I gave it to most friends. I didn't do family members. I just felt like that was just too vulnerable for them to receive, and yeah. I wasn't really. I wasn't too ready to accept any questions or to dive deeper into it and have those conversations with yet because to be transparent, I was afraid and I didn't know how to process yet again. So I sent it to a few close friends of mine and I think they just had enough. Uh, I think with them, they just were mature enough. Not mature, they just were like, okay, it's fine, you know, this is good. But they never asked questions, which I appreciate. Yeah. And from there, I just kept it. But during the same time period, I'm on the cusp of trying to figure out my career path post graduation. Yeah. So I kind of pushed it to the side. Was it a was it like a blog or was it like a journal or diary? Like you just had pieces of paper with writing on it. What, what was it? So I started typing this out, and it was like more so three pages, and it was talking about just the dichotomy of being a black man in America. Mm. But I was speaking through my own personal experiences. And from there, what happened? So, again, I pushed it to the side. And at the time, I was serving as the assistant regional vice president of Alpha. Through that role, it gave me the opportunity to travel the country frequently. During the 18-week semester, 16 of those weekends, I was out of town. So I was frequently on the move, and it allowed me to push aside the traumatic issues that I was dealing with and I suppressed my feelings and all of those in combination with so I had the opportunity of being added to this group with other leaders across the Divine Nine and one of them was Ange. Ange was someone who sat on the board of directors for Zeta Phi Beta and what I loved about her she was just so outgoing she was just so uplifting she was truly an inspiration for me Mm -hmm. So one particular time, she actually 
hit me up and was like, hey, you know, my mom wants to learn more about your documentary. So at the time, I was filming a documentary series titled More Than a Student, and it was my way of showing all facets of leadership while being a student because people commonly see the trips, what will appear as a vacation or me being gone so frequently, let alone they didn't see the late hours I put in, the relationships that I lost, not having a social life whatsoever because I'm trying to wear a multitude of hats and serve in all these capacities that, you know, I was really running on fumes. So I recorded my entire senior year. So at this point, I just put it on YouTube. I would advertise it through social media, not knowing if anyone would really see it, actually. But it was my way of giving people a full view of leadership, especially the younger generation, because at the time, when you turn on TV, you see love and hip-hop, and you see flavor <laughs> love and all, yeah, all the crazy negative, stuff. Right, these negative portrayals of who black people are. So I was like, hey, let me show them what leadership is, and this is what you have to be in order to succeed. So I did that, and she was like, hey, my mom wants to learn more about this more than a student. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I don't really know her mother, and I barely know her. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll send it. <laughs> so that was cool. And what was so interesting about her mom and so great about her mom, she was like, hey, send me 10 bullets of what more than a student is via email. So I sent it over, and God was my witness. Not even five minutes later, she calls me and like, hey, this is a book. What? I'm laughing because this is, <laughs> right, exactly. What? That's just how narrow-minded I thought. I was like, this ain't no book. But since I got you on the phone, can you help me get a job? Because I'm about to graduate. <laughs> so you put 10 bullet points together and, you know, pretty much highlighting your documentary in it. And next thing you know, you have somebody telling you you can write a book on this. Were they were they detailed were they detailed bullet points or were they just like one sentence two sentences? Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that I would think could be made into a book. But again, as someone who has never written a book, someone who was very narrow minded at, at the time, so I was like, okay. <laughs> but again, about this job. <laughs> yeah, it, so, yeah, we trying to get this money. What's up? Right, I'm about to graduate. I I can't afford to be out here with a bow. Right, but. Yeah. I was like, this isn't a final product. 
I really need to refine it. But she believed in me. I didn't want to turn her away from that. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, you know, just give me some more time and I'll, I'll work on it. So a few years passed. Um, I moved to D.C. I had been through some more things in life that were actually pivotal to my success today. Uprooting my life from Florida and moving to the Washington, D.C. area was a, you know, a huge jump. As I didn't have any family here, I knew maybe two people here. So it was really a tremendous transition. For the people that don't know, currently, what are you doing right now in D.C.? I'm a proposal writer for an infrastructure firm. Okay. And how long have you been with them? Too long. Actually, <laughs> too long. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up on two years, man. Hey, this book keeps circulating, bro. I, I know you got some other stuff shaking. This book keeps circulating like it is. Hey, man, be your own boss, bro. Hey, that's the goal. <laughs> Trust me, that is the goal. <laughs> but, um, so, Angie's mom, her name is Dr. Jilla T.R., she came to Washington, D.C. Um, after I had moved, she was here doing site visits for a convention that she was planning, and she invited me to dinner with her and Angie. So we sit there at dinner, and this is our first time ever. Yeah. And we're just having candid conversations and just, you know, talking about life issues, my personal growth, and just really going through things that will help me develop as a man and as a, uh, an adult. Mm-hmm. And she was just giving me keys of wisdom and, you know, her experiences, and I'm bouncing my experiences being a young man at the time, and she really just loved everything I had to say, and she believed in me even more after meeting me. So after that conversation, she asked me about the book, and she's like, oh, how's it coming? And again, in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, giving her the runaround. Yeah, basically, because I knew it wasn't complete yet, and I didn't want to give her an unfinished product. So she's like, hey, well, do you have a book cover? So I'm like, yeah, I got a book cover and I got a title. She's like, what's the title? And I was like, my own worst enemy. And her expression was just like, wow, that is a phenomenal title. It's very introspective. I was like, yeah, I don't want to take the perspective of me blaming everyone for my trials and tribulations in life, but accepting ownership across relationships that I damaged and that I ruined. And I think that just spoke to my maturity at the time and just going through so much and learning that, you know, I had a hand in the demise of multiple relationships. Right. Whether they were romantic, family, or friendships. And again, she was like, Ishmael, I believe in you. Let's get this done. So that was August 2015. And I had maybe 10 pages. She was like, send it to me, send it to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, let me work on it some more. <laughs> <laughs> so, 10 pages in. She was living, 10 pages in, right, far from a book. Yeah. So she was living in Atlanta at the time, and in September, I was going down for a wedding. So she was like, send me what you have. So I was like, okay, I will. And over that next month, I ferociously worked on that to get her as much as I could to let her know that I wasn't taking this as a joke and I really took this very serious. Yeah, she she pretty much right. gave you the, she gave you the okay that you could write a book and at that point, you know, somebody like of that stature, you know, you want to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious because a lot of people, you know, we'll, we'll get that inclination for somebody and then we'll just let it fall by the wayside. But 
I mean, it looks like he was trying to take it real serious. Right, right. And, and again, when you have someone who believes in you, the, the worst thing you can possibly do is disappoint them or slap away their helping hand. Right. So uh, September, I fly down there. I meet her at her home, and she printed out every page that I sent her with notes. <laughs> Whether they were directions, she was really helping me and helping my eye and training my eye to see how to see this project through. Move this paragraph here. This is a new chapter. She was dead serious, and that motivated me. And she told me, she was like, what you have is, is amazing. It's, it's phenomenal, and it's so vulnerable, and it's so raw. And she just gave me one direction. She was like, don't think about this. It's just one book. Because your story isn't done yet. You need to think about this holistically and how you can produce other projects and other books. And that's contingent on how you want to expand your brand, who you are, and how transparent you want to be. Wow. Look at God. So that was just, uh, it, right, that was nothing but God. Because this lady was being a mentor. She was being a provider of wisdom and just uh, someone just elevated who I was as a young man and as a future author. So that conversation was like reaping the fruits of my labor. So after that, she told me, she was like, give yourself a deadline because if you don't, you're going to constantly be tweaking it and trying to figure out how to perfect it. And it'll never get done. So I told her, I was like, give me to the end of the year. So we've spoken at length about deadlines. With this in mind, like you gave yourself a deadline of a year, well, to the end of the year. Once you gave yourself that deadline, did it feel instantaneous pressure? Like, this is real. Like, I got to get it done. Like, rubber reads the road. Did you get nervous? Like, what? how did you, you feel once you gave yourself that deadline? I treated it as a job because for me, I had to get it done. Because this just wasn't about me. I, you know, if I decided not to ever write it, then that's on me. But for the fact that I have someone who's willing to publish the book and help me with the marketing and help me, you know, grow my brand, I couldn't disappoint her either. Yeah. And I had a greater responsibility. So what I began to do is I locked in every day after work, went to the library. And then in D.C. that particular year, a snowstorm hit. Was this the one with the 37 inches? Yes. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> but the timing couldn't have been better. Right. Mind you, this is my first ever real experience with snow, with cold weather. So I had nothing but time to focus and to hone my craft. Florida boy. And I finished I finished my first draft and turned it into her in January of 2016. Mm -hmm. But after I, I submitted it to her, once she congratulated me and said, you know, this is the first step. She's proud of me. But when I turned it in, I didn't feel completely great about it. Again, the perfectionist in me. So I said, you know what, give me another two months. Right. So she did. She's like, okay, go ahead. And I went in and I refined everything. I added sources. I started to do some research, contact different um research facilities to gain information to give my writing credibility and give some of my theories some credibility speaking on you know white privilege and how being African American 
Mahale is, you know, there's a lot of barriers that we're up against. And progression is something that's very slow and tedious for us. Yeah. But I wanted to prove that because that's something that it's known, but without proof, it's just that, you know, an ideal. So, question. So when you locked in, mind you, we're in a blizzard, snowstorm, end of the year. You know how snow is up here. When you locked in, you were going to the library every day and you was putting forth the groundwork for the book. I remember at the beginning, you said you didn't really interact with your family in regards to letting them know what you were doing. So when you were, you know, locked in and putting forth all this research, were you reaching back to them at this point? Or was this something like, this is just my personal project and nobody, even family, is taking part in this? I told a few people, it was very select individuals that I decided to share that information with. But I didn't go into great detail about the content or the subject matter. It's like, hey, I'm working on a book. I'm writing a book, guys. But it's one of those things where people appreciate it after the product is finished. Once it's tangible. There we go. Because I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, hey, I'm a millionaire, but I'm living in a shack and I'm driving a Pinto. Mm -hmm. You don't really believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. That sounds good. Yeah. You wasn't about the lip service, which is typical today. You know, everybody likes to talk, but I think uh, at some point people tune you out when you're just like, hey, I'm about to do this and hey, I'm about to do that. And like you say, there's no tangible evidence of it at some point, even even feeds into the whole social media aspect. You know, everything's, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. And you post, you're showing all this, all this good stuff, but then people don't really see what's really, you know, what's really going on out there. For you, you say you was locked down. Were you on social media at the time or were you? Rarely. Um, at the time, I was going through a great depression as well. I was popping pills, like all kind of things that I shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. So that also added to the fire of getting this done. But as this raw emotion needed to be captured, it needed to be locked in history. And none of your friends, none of your close friends feeding into this this narrative of you just, you know, popping pills and going through this whole situation or were they trying to help you out? No one knew the severity of my depression yeah. or if I was even depressed. They just knew I was dealing with a rough situation, coming out of a relationship and, you know, trying to get acclimated in a new area where I moved. So no one really knew the severity of it and I didn't really give them too much to base it off. Yeah. So I, I would never put that fault on friends or family. That was just my own inability to communicate what I was going through. All this came together, you know, all this pressure and all this, you know, all these feelings and emotions that swirling around and like you're keeping it confided. But what came out of it, you know, you put pen to paper and everything kind of took itself from from that point and manifested itself into, you know, the book in which you you have today. Right. Because it was therapeutic. Mm hmm. So you use this as an outlet outside of, you know, the other doings that you were going about and, you know, really honed in on this. Yes, I had to because I, I was going to implode eventually. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be best for anyone. Right. We didn't need another episode. Right. No. Okay. So you're so you're locked in. You gave her she gave you a two month extra deadline uh, extension. And at this point, you're actively researching. Uh, what happened at, at at that point? So I'm taking the time and going through what I did was I broke it up chapter by chapter. And again, I'm going through refining 
seeing what I could add, if I can go into greater detail, if I can reveal more emotions, because I just really wanted everyone to feel the pain that I was going through, because I felt like that gave it another layer and it made it more realistic. And in doing so, by the time I turned it in and Dr. T.R. read it, she was blown away yet again. So when I turned it in, she said, this is way better than the first drive. And she said, at that point, she felt as if the mask was completely off and I didn't hold anything back. And she was yet again proud of me for doing so. So I asked her, hey, what will be our next steps? You know, what is the process of publishing a book? Because I'm completely, I'm a novice here. I have no idea as to what happened. And she explained it to me that it goes through an editor, someone who she's been working with for over 15 plus years and how quick he is and he provides his feedback and he gives his edits. And what I loved about him though, he doesn't automatically make his edits. He'll send them to you with suggestions yeah. because he doesn't want to take away the essence of my voice and my story. Right. So, so I appreciate it because I kept my creative integrity. So is this, so is this editor, is this somebody that's looking at your work on a sheet of paper or multiple sheets of paper and, like the school teacher with a red pen just slashing through stuff and providing this, that, and the third? Is that what it is? Or is it something completely yeah, different? Yeah, basically. Not basically, he's just going through it digitally. And like I said, he has recommendations. And you have, I had the option, which was great, to either accept them or, you know, decline them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really a great working relationship. Okay. Did you have to pay? Well, because we didn't go through financing. So at this point, and I'm, like I said, I don't know anything about writing books, but I can only imagine that you know, if we're writing, you know, and you're doing all this typing computer and having your mentor uh, go over it and all this, you're not spending that much money, are you? So my particular situation is a little bit different than a typical person who decides to write a book and become a published author. My publisher believed in me that she basically covered these things. Wow. Right. So she just truly believed in who I was and what I also love about her she gave me a hundred percent of my right. Mm. Sound like the music uh, music cool. industry. <laughs> hey, y'all out here working music deals and stuff. The last thing you could possibly want is somebody having owning your stuff, and you could never have any say in it. Exactly. So, what what were some of the expenses that she was covering? The editor was the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Racks. Because his his time. Okay. Her and I never discussed it. I know it's something I, I couldn't afford, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she said, ain't no need. I got you. <laughs> and I didn't ask. <laughs> so up to this point, you haven't you haven't pretty much come out of pocket too much at all because, of course, you got your mentor looking out for you, right? Right. Bro, that's a blessing, bro. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's definitely a blessing, man. So she's paid for the editor. He's he's giving you, you know, multiple recommendations. Did you take them? Did you not? Some that I worked through, I understood where he's coming from. I accept it. And then others, again, I wanted to keep the essence of my voice and understanding the slang that, you know, I'm accustomed to and that my audience would understand as well. So I maintained those. But that process didn't take long at all. It took maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. And from there, he sent me my first proof.
finalized that, and from there, talked to Tia. I was like, hey, you know, we're almost there. And I'm like, hey, what's my release date? Well, she was like, well, that's on you. So I was like, man, it would be a good time to release this because I wanted to give myself enough time to market the project, to get the information out there so people were aware, hey, this is coming. Yeah. And just so I could get sales because, you know, realistically, this is something that I worked hard on and that I wanted people to receive. Yeah. So I posted the book title. No, excuse me. I posted the book artwork with the title online. And, you know, people are like, wow, wow, wow. And I'm loving it. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is really getting real. But mind you, I didn't even have a release date. <laughs> so it's all <laughs> You just released the book title and font? Or did you have, like, the front page? Like, what, did, what, what exactly did you release? I released the book cover and the title. How'd you get the book art? So my dean actually is pretty handy with graphics and he created it for me. I gave him the essence and the idea of what I wanted and what I wanted to convey. And he shot it right back and I was like, okay, here we go. There and it the is. The funny thing is I had that, I had the book cover well before the book was even finished. Mm. And he took one take, he did one draft and you just went with it? One take, like he really conveyed what I wanted. And at that moment, you said, "All right, this is this is this is what it's gonna be," and you released it. Yep. Hey guys, I want to shed some light on one of our sponsors of the show, Horror Creative. That's H A R A Creative. Horror Creative is a creative shop that specializes in photography, videography, and creative direction. Challenging the status quo through their expertise, they have used their skills to provide restaurants, clothing brands, solo entrepreneurs, and many more with distinguished visuals. You may also know them because of their transformative self-propelled projects, such as their video series, The Black Love Project, and their most recent publication, Horror Magazine, Poems and Light. Follow them on Instagram at Horror Creative, or check out their website, horrorcreative.com to stay in the loop with all the dope content they have coming our way. Please check them out when you get a chance and always remember Horror Creative for the culture. So what were some of the things that people were saying about the book title? Because if you can imagine, you've been under a rock for how long how long now this is we're in 2016 what summertime yeah and i started the winter of 2015 so it's like six eight months i've been underground right people were just like man we're excited for you proud of you can't wait for the project to come out mm-hmm. but again i didn't have a release date or anything but i started to get hustling on the marketing aspect i had a photo shoot to do some promo shots um i did some posts through social media where it's like a basically thank you but i didn't release them initially i was going to release a series of thank yous leading up until when the book was going to be released but i was like nah, let me hold off on that so what i did i just went with i contacted a graphic designer that i used to work with in undergrad we worked for ucf athletics together and i told him i wanted him to really recreate a story and a piece of art with my chapter titles. Mm-hmm. So we bounced ideas off each other for a few weeks, and then he started sending me some samples. And 
they were awesome because I really wanted them to be thought-provoking and to just be something that you could possibly see in a museum or someone's house as a piece of art. So he took those images that I took in that photo shoot, and he created masterpieces. The boy went to work. And I absolutely loved them. He, he went to work because I was like, this is going to open people's eyes to the reality of being a black male in America. It's harsh. It's, it's difficult. It's not easy. This whole equality thing is a, a fallacy. So I was like, yo, I want everyone to witness and to feel that. That same day? Mind you, I had, she had sent it prior to, but it just so happened to be the day that I had called to ask. Wow. So I was like, man, this is real. And just being able to touch it mm-hmm. really got me excited. And it really was like, okay, here we go. Now it's go time. Yeah. So you got a physical copy in hand. It's like, hey, I see the dream now. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. So I was like, my birthday. Yeah. Like, So you found a release date for your birthday, and what, we have about a month coming up before the release? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you navigate throughout that month, like, from an emotional standpoint? Because you got to remember where you started from, you know, the initial thought and where all this transpired was a almost somewhat of a mental breakdown. through these next 30 days of course you were scared but what what were you doing tangibly with the book or was the book completed and you were just like getting your promo marketing together or were you still like editing up to the last minute of the actual launch I wanted to drive sales to my birthday. 
So your birthday pops up. And what first thing you're you're are you calling your moms and saying, Moms, I have a book or are you posting on social media? What are you doing on your birthday? So the week prior to I'm releasing because there are six chapters, I'm releasing those images that I had created with the graphic designer with the name of the chapter titles. So each day I'm given a piece of information about the book. And that build more excitement for it. And on the actual birthday, drop the cover of the book again and also where it was available on iBooks, Amazon, through my website, everywhere that people can get it. Yeah. In addition to my booking information, uh, speaking engagements, panels, uh, moderating, all the available things that I can do along with this book. So what was the overall feedback? Because... You know, people haven't seen you in so long because you just gave me a timeline of almost like a year. But people haven't seen you in so long and, you know, you have this finished product, which you've worked hard for. You, you know, you, you laid the foundation through, in, you know, in the library and through your mentor. You know, what was the overall reception of, you know, this finished product that you've given to the masses? People were proud of me for just opening up because those individuals who have known me for years, they just knew that I always held everything and they, they were always concerned saying, Hey, you need to go to therapy, you need to talk to someone. But the fact that I was able to do it on my own through a book, yeah. they, they couldn't be, they couldn't be more proud of me mm-hmm. because it was, it took a great deal of bravery and courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Just talk about my faults versus again, pointing the finger at other people. And did you feel like a, a instant weight off your shoulder once, once you released? How'd you do? It's still a work in progress, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you. To this and day? That's the beautiful thing. To this day, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the beautiful thing about being human. We're constantly evolving, we're constantly learning and matriculating all of this information and growing. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect, I'm far from it. I'm still learning from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been hustling trying to get this book out there. It's, when I read it, it was very much influential and motivational for me myself. But since the release, it's been circulating the airwaves and, you know, where where do you plan on, you know, moving next with this book now that it's complete? Well, um, I still have a lot of speaking engagements on the book for. Um, I have a few in 2018 for MLK, a celebration. Um, I have a few forums in 2018. So I'm getting booked for speaking engagements, which is phenomenal because I, I love doing that. I have a passion for doing that, just connecting with the audience and one thing that everyone can relate to is struggle. And that's what I'll book about. It's about overcoming struggle and processing struggle. And so who outside of your circle has, you know, gotten their hands on the book so far? Charlemagne the God has a copy. I've gotten a copy to Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, just to name a few. <laughs> Humble to say the least. <laughs> this is no it's out there, huh? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's gonna is more influential people out there. Like I said, all your friends and family got the book, you know. So it's making its it's making its rounds, and like you said, you got things set up for twenty twenty eighteen. 
going to kind of piggyback off the momentum you had for 2017. So I know you, right. I know you got some big things coming, brother. I, I definitely know that. And, and, and what we're doing here, like the podcast interviews are expanding. Mm-hmm. More people want to have conversations with me, and that's what I'm appreciative of. And it's also a balancing act, you know, with my professional life as a proposal writer and, you know, my career, and then trying to do something where I'm up to my community. It's a balancing act. Did you ever think that those 10 bullet points would lead you to this point now? Man, no. <laughs> that's crazy man see how God works brother in mysterious ways yeah man yeah alright so now that you have this book out you know I kind of want to I kind of want to go back into the beginning. Like I said, we we first had the idea that this was even possible. Who or what was the biggest influence in, you know, starting on this venture? I think I was my biggest influence for the simple fact of I knew I didn't go through these experiences for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just was motivated to complete a project because I had been infamous for starting a great deal of ideas and just they never manifested to completion yeah now did you did you have any author or were you an avid reader was there anybody that you looked up to i don't want to say i was an avid reader but i would read um i'm still a big fan to this day and now i'm an avid reader i'm a big fan of michael eric dyson yeah i just love the way he can he conveys his message and his voice um He's always well-researched, and he just documents history very well. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of his. I know we spoke the other day. You're taking tips from him on your next few projects, right? Oh, absolutely. All right, so explain to me what was your lowest point within this whole journey. Uh, we've kind of outlined you know, what it took to get to this point from a financial perspective, emotional perspective, and just, just flat-out hard work but throughout this whole you know journey what was the lowest point you experienced my lowest point would have to be during a time where i attempted to kill myself and that was i want to say 2012 2013 Mm -hmm. i just had reached my end or what i thought was my end yeah and God just showed me that he had other plans for me in my life. And I actually go into greater detail about that situation in the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thankful for him having a vision and having a plan for my life. I'm just thankful to be here. Go cop that book, people. Go cop that book. Hey, it's available <laughs> on Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> so look, so what, 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 what would you say you still struggle with today, given the fact that you know, before you were closed up and, you know, had everything kind of bottled up and, and now you've expressed yourself to the world and, you know, that's done wonders for you, you know, as a person, physically and emotionally. Um, but what are some of the things that you still struggle with today, you know, that you go about on a daily basis? For me, to be patient and having the understanding that situations are going to work out, and especially when it's not in my control. I can't control the uncontrollable and I need to, you know, so as of right now, what do you love most about your experience thus far? You've experienced the highs, the lows. For 
yeah. telling me how my story doesn't vary much from theirs and how my experiences help them progress through their issues. That's the most rewarding thing about this entire process. Mm. All right, Ish, you got your brand out, your book, Highly Successful, making his ways around the country in the hands of great people. You know, with the success you've had, you know, where do you see yourself by the age of 40 or 50 as a young published author by the age of 26? For me, I want to expand outside of books and just continue to write onto the big screen, onto television, and also just continue to empower my community and the generations behind me because the youth, they're looking up to us as an example. So if you was rolling down... You know, this 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 highway pulling up in the Washington DC, you see this big billboard and it's your billboard. It's got your picture on there and it's got a quote on there. You know, you had to you had the freedom to put whatever on there as a quote. What would that quote read? To be good is to be mediocre, to be great is to be complacent, but to be unforgettable will get you in the history books forever. Wow. Now where'd this come from? I made it up. <laughs> Oh Lord, my boy out here with the quotes for y'all. Tell me y'all, go get the book. You probably got a lot. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we probably gonna be quoting you for a long time, brother. I already know. <laughs> All right, I know. So at this point, I mean, you know, just given the given the name of the show, love yours. We're here. You're here to pretty much. You know, tell, let people know that whatever struggles you're going through, not even struggles, just whatever situation you're in, to embrace it, love it for what it is. Because, you know, if you keep moving and progressing toward what you want, you know, you'll eventually get it at some point in time. But it first, it first starts with embracing where you're at in life. You know, you can't look at anybody else's life and the things they're going through and, you know, try to compare it to yours and and look down upon your situation. The best thing you can do, you know, if you want to move forward and get where you got to get is, like I said, loving exactly where you're at, you know, whether that's, you know, bad family members, bad relationships, bad job, you know, you got to love that because it's going to eventually make you stronger and give you things that you never would have thought you would have, you know, acquired. And you just use those experiences to move forward with it because at the end of the day, it's only making you better. And for you, you was able to do that and then some. And not only do, and not only just communicate that through words and just, you know, just talking with individuals, but you wrote a whole book about it, bro. And, uh, that's something that, you know, not a lot of people were able to do. And you did it while being vulnerable, you know, being as vulnerable as possible. And uh, like I said, that was very commendable of you. And, you know, that that's why I brought you on the show, because <laughs> that's everything that, you know, we pretty much embody here. And that's something I wanted to communicate out to the people. And I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a pleasure. So look, man, so you see what Love Yours is about. You know, we pretty much outlined your your life and your struggles through, you know, through this podcast and You've kind of gotten a feel for, you know, where we're at. And, you know, of course, we're always looking to expand and talk to more entrepreneurs and brand makers. You know, with you being on the show, and I'm pretty sure later down the road, you're going to be listening uh, and buying merchandise. I I know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, who else is somebody or entrepreneur brand maker that influences you or, you know, you know of their story that you want to kind of see 
um, come up next that I'll that I'll be interviewing. Brittany Harris, her and I went to undergrad together, and post graduation, she has started her own brand uh, about millennials, and all throughout South Florida, she goes around giving public speaking and get with public speaking engagements about the ability to progress and to strive as a millennial mm -hmm. and dealing with the times. And she's phenomenal. I've heard her speak a couple times, and she's someone that I truly believe in and that I go to to get inspiration. Okay. Well, I wouldn't mind. I mean, she sounds like she sounds like she's making some moves. Hey, like I said, if you want to help me set that up, brother, I can I can definitely have her on the show, man. Absolutely. We'll do that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, look, man, I greatly appreciated you on the show. Like I said, you you gave us everything that we needed, and uh, you know we'll be looking forward to linking up soon. If you haven't already, go buy this man's book, My Own Worst Enemy. Where is it located, Ish? It's on Amazon.com, and it's also available on my website, which is IshmaelBrown.com, and that's I-S-M-A-E-L-Brown.com. Okay. And my man, he's got multiple projects he's working on right now for later down the road. Um, please keep an eye out. Also, Ish, what is your Instagram? What is your Facebook? Give the guys that information so they can find you. Instagram is Ishmael underscore Brown. Ishmael, I-S-M-A-E-L underscore Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at Ishmael underscore Brown 3. All right. Sounds good. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Wise words. I, you know, very much inspiration and motivation for me, and I'm sure it is for everybody else that's listening. Like I said, bro, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Hey, guys, that's a wrap for our show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a comment and show love by subscribing on iTunes or through our website, www.loveyourspod.com While you're there, support the brand that supports you and cop some of our dope apparel and merchandise available for purchase. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at loveyourspod, that's for both accounts, and my own personal account at strongarm underscore shad, that's shad spelled S-H-A-A-D In addition, if you know any entrepreneurs or brand makers who inspire you and would like to see on the show Visit our main page of the website, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and fill out the information in the fields provided. I also would like to say thank you to our sponsors and everybody that came together to make this episode happen. Without you, this train don't roll. Until our next episode, keep dreaming, keep creating, and always remember, love yours. <laughs>